We did it! Hello everyone and welcome to the Recap, the Escapist Weekly Live Show, all about the latest in movies, TV, and streaming. This is episode number 44 for Tuesday, September 12th. My name is Marty Sleevan. I'm joined, as always, by Darren Mooney and Frost. Welcome, guys. We survived technical hiccups, which I'm proud of us for. My my uh, Discord is still downloading update one of fourteen, uh, a full half hour after I kicked it off. I am so sorry. No, throw, uh, throw it away. We're never using Discord again. That's it. That's a friendship with Discord over. Uh, Google Meets is our new best friend. Uh, well, welcome everyone. Thank you all so much for uh, tuning in live. We have a great show for you today. Uh, we're going to chat. Uh, I know at least Frost and I. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of of One Piece, Darren, but um, Frost and I have have got a chance to watch the Netflix series. And as someone who had not watched the anime beforehand, I'm smitten with it. Yeah. I'm smitten with these straw hat pirates. There you go. I was about to ask, because I mean, obviously, like the One Piece anime is a piece of legendary pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's been running for 25 years, thousands of episodes or over yeah. a thousand it's, episodes. Uh, I think just under 1100. Yeah. Oh, well, then you might yeah. as well just thrown out what I just said. You can do that in a weekend. Um, but yeah, that was always kind of like, I was always like, so the adaptation, who is that for? Because I got the sense the Cowboy Bebop adaptation was ironically intended for people who watch Cowboy Bebop, the anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ironically, given how people who watch the anime felt about that. Yeah. So I'm like, is, is One Piece meant to be like, okay, you didn't watch the anime. Here's your abridged show. I, uh, I, I told Casey, I am now the uh, number one, the world's number one One Piece fan. I haven't watched eight episodes of a TV show. Hey, I've also watched uh, 13 episodes of the cartoon. Let me tell you. Which 13? The, f- the first. Oh. <laughs> I don't have a, Netflix doesn't have a shuffle option. Right. Although, Netflix, there should be like a shuffle option for shows like Simpsons and Seinfeld and like. Maybe. Show like this. Look, yeah. uh, Iron Chef, I could see. You know, the ones yeah. that are self contained. Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Like no reservations. Just, yeah, just it's like throw me slap one on there. there. Um, so we'll uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, uh, a couple small news bits, including uh, I know we talk about the X Files a lot lately, but this weekend was its 30th anniversary of the premiere, which is very exciting. Um, I'm almost done with season five, and Darren uh, has has also watched a lot of X Files. Uh, so we'll just <laughs> chat a little bit about that, and then uh, we've been watching a ton of things. Darren, your list of things you've watched is uh, is extensive, impressive, far yeah. too long. We're gonna write them happened- all. Also, yeah. it should be illegal that you still have Oppenheimer on here. What's going on? <laughs> you stuck in like a cheeky little Oppenheimer. He's like, I'm going to get it to a billion. Seven. Yeah, that's it. I'm like trying to single-handedly push it over there. Right, I feel like numbers. if it doesn't hit a billion, I have failed Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer <laughs> hasn't failed me. I have failed Oppenheimer. Just, just give Nolan the money directly at this point. Yeah. yeah <laughs> go, go to his, yeah. his OnlyFans. Yeah. Cut, out yeah. the, uh, cut out the middle band. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about a lot of that um, as we lead, as we head into the to the fall season, which um, strikes still going on, but, um, well, for everyone except for Drew Barrymore, but uh, strikes still going on. Uh, it, it seems like we're going to have a, a full fall slate of, of, you know, shows that have been produced for um, streaming services and, and HBO and whatnot, but I feel like people are going to start realizing when their their weekly programs on on the uh, normal networks aren't coming back when my Chicago P my Chicago PI my Chicago fire is not coming back and people are going to get angry. Oh, no. Yeah, when my mom can't watch NCIS New exactly. Orleans, like that's exactly. that's when shit gets real. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I don't think there's been any major strike updates in the last two weeks, other than still happening and the rich people are still kind of shitty. 
I mean, look, it, we yeah. all know it's it's shit for everybody. We're hearing all the accounts of like writers having to live out of their cars. Mm-hmm. We're hearing about foreclosures coming down. And I mean, the most tragic of all, Zaslav has said that Warner Brothers will lose $500 million. I mean, everybody is suffering, Marty. Everybody is suffering equally. And yeah. that definitely had nothing to do with uh, every single movie aside from Barbie they released this year underperforming. Yeah. Don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, although we have the Aquaman 2 is coming. And let me tell you, that teaser, that movie looks very dope. Why did that do so much? Why is why when we talk about like, oh, these films just broke records, why is Aquaman up there? It made a billion dollars. I don't know. What? Like what? That's weirder to me than both avatars making like two billion dollars and yeah. no one would ever get anything about them. But they're all wet movies. Like it's it's obviously a niche. Like Avatar, Titanic, people love water. Yeah, people of water. I mean, like that's what Wakanda Forever should have like Wakanda yeah. Forever really should have doubled down on like the you know the waterness of it all. The, the, the waterness of it all. it all. What other what other big franchise do you think could get wet? Could get wet or yeah, Fast like, and Furious. They haven't done boats yet. They've yeah. done submarines, but they haven't done boats. Did they do submarines? Yeah, they're, like the eighth movie has like a, a car chase with a submarine. I love that. Like Seb is like just nodding. It's like yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that they one. Yeah. They race, they race a submarine across the the. Doesn't the rock at oh, one stage like yeah. kick? Yeah, he kicks a torpedo. Oh, many yeah, things, yes. yeah. <laughs> that even, is fair. Even he the, also flexes out of a cast. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> and the second one, they jump onto a boat as it was yeah. trying to leave. It was like whoa, yeah. that's as crazy as the stunts would get back then. Imagine. Yeah. I think the thing is you can't you don't make money if you're just above the water. You have to be below the water. Titanic sunk and so it was able to. It had underwater. (laughs) Whereas like speed two cruise control, water world, mostly on those flotillas, like that's you can't be on the water, you have to be under the water. I mean, by that logic then is Alien Resurrection the best like alien movie because that has aliens underwater underwater i i feel like all uh like all art anything that is uh bemoaned when it comes out everyone it gets a critical reappraisal it comes back and everyone's like like, are are we still waiting for alien resurrection and speed Two cruise controls critical reappraisal oh i don't think anyone i think speed it's possible no one has rewatched speed Two cruise control in 20 years i think it's possible that it's just gotten no viewings in 20 years it's it's me Oh, you did? It's, it's all me. Because so I was like, I have to watch the sequel. It's got Willem Dafoe. Why not? It's like, oh, that was, that was rough. That was rough. Yeah. Do you, you want to? Okay, I just want to like speed to cruise control. Roger Ebert's three star review. Just I want to read a brief excerpt from it. Just one of the great cinematic reviews. Three stars out of four. Roger Ebert. I love summertime. I love strolling down Michigan Avenue on a balmy June evening. Past the tourists and the shoppers and the lovers and the people dawdling on their way home from work. And I love going to to a theater for a sneak peek of a summer movie and buying popcorn and settling back in my seat and enjoying a movie containing, and this is a bullet list, a chainsaw, an explosive device with a red digital readout that nobody will ever be able to see. This one concealed inside a fake golf club. A villain who travels with a jar of leeches to suck the copper poisoning from his blood. A sweet girl and her lover on a Caribbean cruise. He just happens to be a member of the LAPD SWAT team. The other passengers on the cruise, who also just happen to include members of a Diamond Dealers Association, who have filled the ship's vault with treasure. The villains plot to hijack and destroy the ship, steal the diamonds, and get revenge on the computer company whose electromagnetic fields gave him copper poisoning, after which he was fired and cast aside. All of these pleasures and more are in Speed 2 Cruise Control. That's Roger Ebert's three-star review. In, of Speed Two, so it's pretty much like Donkeys for Mario, where he says, 
I went to the theater. I, I went with my girlfriend. We got big popcorn and a big slushie. I had fun. Ebro was a hard guy to pin down. Because like you see a movie like Speed and you're like, we're either gonna get that review or we're gonna get like an absolutely <laughs> scathing teardown. Him, him, him and I are very close. Like going back and seeing like he was one of the few who enjoyed Tokyo Drift. I was like, Yeah, he knew <laughs> at the time. I am born indication. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> powers of DK at the time. At- and hated uh, Die Hard. That's the yeah. great yeah, evil. Yeah. 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 So we can't win them all. <laughs> no, you can't. And give no stars <laughs> to uh, Human Centipede. He says, uh, I refuse to give it a star because Human Centipede exists in a world where the stars do not shine. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, my God. One, one of our poets. They should have sent a poet. They did. Yeah. Roger <laughs> Ebert. Um, <laughs> uh, writer of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Was that yeah. his? Yeah, he wrote that, right? <laughs> the sequel, I believe. The sequel. Didn't he write? Okay. Yeah. Not two the original. Valley, two dolls. <laughs> two beyond two valleys. Uh, we're gonna Sorry get, for that tangent about a tangent. Do, no, that was that was beautiful. A hat on a hat. Uh, we'll do the we'll do a couple of quickie news stories before we jump into One Piece and then all the other stuff we've been watching. Uh, I don't I don't think you either of you guys are big football boys, right? American football. I'm boys. trying. I'm trying. I've gotten back okay. in touch with my old friends. I, like I used to keep up with college ball and. NFL stuff back when NFL Street 2 was relevant. <laughs> back 15 years ago. NBA 2K5, yeah, when Michael Vick was still playing for the Falcons. The, uh, the way to enjoy it is to pretend it's all scripted, and in which case uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, tearing his Achilles four plays into last night um, makes it poetry. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about football. I'm not turning this into a football, football podcast. Well, I mean, if only there were a way to combine it with IP, Marty. That would get me interested. <laughs> and if only ABC and Disney somehow <laughs> owned the rights to certain broadcasts. Uh, it turns out that uh, ABC later on this season is, is planning a Toy Story-themed animated simulcast of an NFL game that the game is going to be aired normally and then it will be aired on 30 second delay where all of the information from the game is going to be put inside of the Toy Story machine and you'll be able to watch the game being acted out in Toy Story and it's going to feature a halftime show by Keanu Reeves's stuntman from toy story 4 and woody and buzz are going to be there and i don't know what this is but this is what happens when the writers go on strike and the executives are like all right boys we gotta cook up some ideas for the fall everybody at the meeting has to have at least one idea that's the rule in these pitch meetings it's like you come into those meetings you better have a pitch and by the time you get to the last guy you're like toy story football Andy's There's, coming. <laughs> this is this isn't the only. It's a real thing. Yeah, this isn't made up. I put, I put the link to deadline in there. It's it was I I saw it last night and I was like I don't know what this is. This is um, this is the, the NFL has been has been trying to um expand its its reach, its audience, its boundaries. Um, they have games in Mexico. They have games in London. They're trying to have a more global audience. Uh, they're trying to go after sort of the youthful audience because uh, I just yeah. don't think maybe kids just don't give a shit about sports because we got cool video games to play. <laughs> Who needs sports <laughs> when you got sick games? You dumb jocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jock. Yeah. Quintuple says they did an NBA version with Marvel, which was very weird. Uh, they also do, they'll air certain games where you can watch the Nickelodeon telecast and it's like, young teenagers doing the announcing and they'll like put cgi gack onto players they'll like 
drop well, CGI them. slime they'll on people, them. but they'll sometimes they'll do it at the wrong time where they'll be like, "Ooh, I think that might be a concussion," and then they'll get slime put on them. <laughs> and I'm like, "That's a head injury. Like, that is that's like that has long term consequences. You can't put back on that man." Oh, <laughs> do you love the idea that at some stage all the actual footage will be lost and all the archivists will only have access to the Nickelodeon dunk yeah. version oh. playing at like Tom was. Brady's funeral or whatever? Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, yeah. But I always thought about if I opened a bar, I would have a jukebox, but it would only have kids' bop covers of songs, so you could only play the. Kids bop I thought you were gonna have like, it's like my own <laughs> shitty covers. <laughs> my karaoke yeah. covers. Of Mar- Marty sings. Yeah, um, <laughs> living on a prayer. <laughs> like to to make this or to bring this back to something resembling sanity and logic. Alright, if I'm not wrong here, like Disney have always been struggling to do with like with their ESPN stuff, with their sports stuff. At the moment, they're in like renegotiation, I believe, with several like cable providers and things like that. Yeah. Like, does this feel like it's a desperate attempt to make like sports to prove to the providers of the sports footage that they can help them reach a new audience? It's like, sure, you could sell your sports ball game to another provider, but they couldn't render it with a 30 second cgi delay and toy story overlay yep i think people are fine just watching the game i don't think they need like <laughs> you know what the only thing keeping me out of this was this wasn't toy story <laughs> like, this doesn't have the pixar sheen i'm looking for I like, oh, was here. Oh. yeah it's it's uh it's joel gray it's the head of paramount it's that eight-year-old kid who pitched monster trucks He's behind this. Like that is Wait, literally the only time. How do you hear about this? Monster no. Trucks, the the old Paramount release from like 2016. That was pitched by an executive's eight year old son. Like, and they were like, "This is a 120 million dollar movie, the most powerful like, Nepo if- baby ever lived." <laughs> <Wow. laughs> yeah. What if? And hear me out here. The trucks, they're monster trucks, but they're called monster trucks because there are monsters in the trucks. And Paramount were like, "Look." The only thing we don't understand, kids. Maybe kids understand, kids. Yeah. Um, but and then famously, they had to did that. <laughs> Scooby Shaggy or Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, where they have a monster truck rally with actual monsters in it. Isn't that redundant? Aren't all werewolves reluctant? Like every werewolf story is like, I don't want to do this, but it's a full moon. Shit. That, that's what I learned reluctant as a kid. Yeah. There's no like eager werewolf who's like counting down the days until yeah, the food. Oh, the like, I'm ready to just go wild tonight. <laughs> Man, I got a real hunger for something, and I don't know what it is. Um, like, uh, they need. Oh my god! Imagine combining. What if Memento was about a werewolf guy, and he kept every time he was a werewolf, he was like floored. He's like, oh my god! Oh, that's my werewolf. that's my screenplay for my my dementia ridden werewolf. <laughs> what did I do last night? He says, just looking around the blood spattered room. Hold on, isn't that the animal? Isn't that the animal with Rob Schneider? <laughs> is, is it the animal? He's waking Rob up. With, I know like, the animal memory is problems. Is the thing. Uh, okay. This is I always get that confused with the pest starring John Leguizamo. That was such that, a that horrible was film, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. The pest. The pest was great. Rob Schneider's a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Schneider's got some he's, he's got some brain worms now. What yeah. what a tangent. Um I yeah. do also want to note that one of the reasons why uh, Monster Trucks cost as much as it did and almost bankrupt Paramount in 2016 was because despite the tagline being meet Creech, it was a pre-Sonic scenario. They revealed what Creech looked like. Apparently kids in the audience were terrified. And so they had to go back and redesign the CGI monster from from scratch. I'll see if I can find the original Creech, Creech design. Yeah. Words for Sonic, I suppose. 
It is. It was practice. Oh, I see. Creech is a uh, is is it's a monster like from a, the truck. He's like he looks like a he looks like one of those bloober fish, those fish that like kind of smile, but they're like really ugly, that, but they always look happy. This that's late. That's late. Creech. That's redesigned. Creech. Pre Creech. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna send links. Skip. Just vamp away for a second there, please. And I will. Uh, what is this thing? Pre-creech oh, you, you Google it. This, that's post Google Creech, thing. right? That's post Creech. In, in the way I cannot. <laughs> post Creech and pre Creech. This is what the yeah, world. Pre- the world is. This is demands in 2023 is to know pre and post Creech. Oh, it doesn't show up. I had this. Oh no! If you refresh it, it shows up for me. Look at this. Yeah. He looks cute. Adorable. He's got a nice little smile. Yeah. Okay. I so did... hold on. Are you ready? For, are you ready for um for pre Creech, the one that the, the kids were not ready to meet? Right. Where we go. Uh, chat if you open oh. up the link and it doesn't work just refresh it and it works it didn't yeah. work for me the first time it works for me the second time pre-creech oh sorry oh i don't like pre-creech at all. <laughs> no, get no. Pre-creech That's out of here no kids oh, did not God. like oh oh there's another one there there we go this is a good one um sorry mid-creech? i love that i'm I love that i'm giving this is like giving kids nightmares this is what they tune into this podcast for yeah, yeah. uh pre and post all of our all of our adolescent audience yeah <laughs> There we go. So there, there's another great pre-creech. Um, oh my god! Look <laughs> at it. It's like a Resident Evil villain. Look at that thing. Like, with acid rounds. Jesus. I don't now, can you off. imagine being in the Paramount room going, "Yeah, this is our next franchise, baby." That's it was probably the one. The artist was probably like, "I fucking hate that we're doing a movie based on this dumb guy's kid's idea." So I'm gonna make this an absolute nightmare fuel experience. Um, I love that. I, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know the monster truck movie existed. I don't know where right. what was happening in 2016. I know I was sad. I was very sad that whole <laughs> that whole year. Well, I was the best. That that was the one where parent were like, luckily we have this Martin Scorsese movie that's gonna do gangbusters to the box office. Silence. <laughs> People are gonna love it. It's got Spider Man. It's got Qui Gon. Everyone's gonna yeah. love it. It's like Shutter Island did phenomenal. Wolf of <laughs> Wall Street did phenomenal. He's knocking it out of the park. He's got he's got Jesuits in Japan, baby audiences they're gonna love it it's we're gonna get we're gonna get the uh the religious right we're gonna get the weebs <laughs> all in the same you know, in the same in stroke the same. <laughs> this is gonna be perfect yeah. uh before uh before we move on for a quick little uh, our weekly x-files chat uh quintuple a <laughs> with a two dollar dono thank you so much quintuple uh super chat because i need darren talking about ff weekly fantastic four weekly is that ff ff, FF, FF weekly, weekly. Okay, you may need to elaborate in the chat there, FF Weekly. I'm going to feel really embarrassed when you tell me what it is. About Fright Fest Weekly, Film Festival Weekly, Fantastic Four Weekly. Fantasy Final Fantasy oh. Weekly? Final Fantasy Weekly. I know when I want an Fast and Final Furious. Final... Oh, it's Fast and Furious. Oh. I need to be ta- we need to be talking more Fast oh. and Furious. About it. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I love that it took us a while to cycle through the possible franchise. We said, we said all of the things except what we were literally talking about 10 minutes when that Super uh, yeah. Chat came out. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought it was like a new comic. I thought there was like, I thought like Hickman's doing FF Weekly or something. <laughs> oh, no, he's doing Gods, which nobody is reading, um, unfortunately. What's, what's Gods? Is that still Gods? Marvel? Is that still like Gods? Yeah, Marvel? it's still a Marvel. That's a that's a, the one for me. So he came oh, okay. back to Marvel and he was like, okay, I'll fix your X-Men for you. But I want to do Gods, which is his idea of like the Marvel divine pantheon thing. Uh-huh. And nobody, apparently nobody is pre-ordering it, which is a shame because it's a Hickman comic and it's going to be great. It has big shield energy, um, which I'm quite looking forward to. So go. it's his take on like the the Greek pantheon, the Egyptian pantheon, all that sort of stuff in the Marvel context. So I'm Does to he it. use like 
known characters? Like, is like Apocalypse tied in with the Egyptian pantheon? Or I don't know yet. But keep in mind that he uh, loves Apocalypse. He does love him. Who doesn't love Apocalypse. apocalypse. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought Apocalypse is anybody who saw X Men Apocalypse. I'm like <laughs> Oscar Isaac definitely <laughs> yeah. does not love Apocalypse. He's got a big, a big, uh, a big no from Oscar Isaac there. Man, that must be that's one of the big, the big fumbles. Right there. It's like, let's oh, cast yeah. one of the most attractive humans alive and let's cover him in, in Nickelodeon gack, purple yeah. gack. People love Avatar, right? It's He's a blue boy. Prefers it. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect. Um, X-Files. 30 years ago. Clean transition. Mulder, Scully. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like uh, a pregnant pause and then I just say the word of the thing. So it's fine. So speaking um, of... Yeah, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of Avatar, um, yeah, the X Files, the X Files turned thirty this weekend. Uh, Darren, you wrote a piece. Uh, I guess it was last week, right? Um, in um, um, what was the publication you wrote the piece for? The Irish Independent, actually. The Irish Independent. I, got the, I, got the, I know, which I'm sure all of our listeners are acute, are astutely aware of. I mean, it is one Ooh, of the great I'm publications. Uh, yeah, I'm, me is is one of them. Oh, uh, but um, no, I mean the it it was published. It's the second largest broadsheet in Ireland, which is great. It's one of our national newspapers. Uh, it was incredible to get to write for that. My parents are very proud. If my grandparents were still alive, Aww. they would think I was a real journalist. That's, That's great. What kind of publication it is, which is great. Um, but no, it was it was really really nice. John Smith, the editor, got in touch. I was like, would you like to do something to mark the 30th anniversary? So I did. I kind of looked at the idea of the X Files as this perfect capsule of a moment where like it could only ever have existed in that perfect space between the end of the cold war and the start of the war on terror and i know technically it continues past the start of the war on terror but it very very quickly becomes deeply uncomfortable you watch that show like the opening minutes of the final season and you're like yeah this is wrong this is just wrong somehow um, the final shot of the show was supposed to be George Bush in the White House. Uh, that was thankfully cut out of the edit. Oh, yes. They're going to have Toothpick Man played by everybody's favorite Alan Dale from yeah. Lost. And, oh, yeah. Hell Lost yeah. 24. The man who was like, Australia's hottest export, Alan Dale, <laughs> playing Toothpick Man, the X-Files' most famous and iconic character, yeah, was yeah. going to appear with a body double of George W. Bush standing in the White House. It was going to be the closing shot of the show until apparently somebody talked Carter out of it for better and for worse. But and it's it is, now it's, the closing shot. Is it the two of them in the, the bed in the hotel room? Just like It is. It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's a nice closing shot. I like that shot. It, it is. It's a shame about like the previous like ninety minutes of that episode. Um, what are you talking about? The helicopter <laughs> at, <laughs> shooting fucking <laughs> missiles at the smoking man inside of his sweat lodge. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> We're smoking through his level, his laryngitis hole. Yeah, that's uh, great. I mean. I was more thinking the PowerPoint presentation that is the bulk of that episode, which is like Chris Carter saying to the internet, you guys have been complaining. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so sit down 90 minutes. I'm going to explain in like mind numbing detail how it all makes sense. And the internet was wrong because that's how I win an argument. You guys are going to go home after this and say he was right. The show makes sense. I was wrong. Sorry, Chris. Um, Has anyone but- <laughs> ever successfully course, turned, no. ar- turned around someone's mind by doing that? I, no i wish that would be nice like all of america went home said to their wife he was right the whole time yeah i, I mean maybe yeah. in his head he did well, yeah yeah I, got I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the x-files but then i watched the finale where they sat down and explained it to me via powerpoint presentation and i gotta tell you it all makes sense um but i i will say that the x-files again it just could not have existed outside of that perfect like 
that unipolar moment, that end of history moment, that moment where America was like the one global superpower with no existential threat, no external threat, no major wars raging. I know there was obviously issues around the world taking place, but from America's perspective, it was a decade of prosperity and stability. And so you kind of like have these thought experiments of like, well, well, are we the good guys or is everything that we did in the wake of the Second World War morally justified? Do we have any guilt accruing from that? And like the sense of like, well, what does it actually mean? What is our history actually about? What are the stories we tell ourselves? Uh, and it's just a phenomenal piece of television. But Marty, you've been watching in real time. You're up to season five now, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I uh, left off the penultimate episode of season five last night. So. Oh, is that Follow You Do the Insect Man? Yes, yeah, he keeps seeing out of like the corner of his eye. Like, <laughs> it was uh, the three episodes last night were uh, it was totally very different. It was yeah. uh, the one following Scully losing her daughter, and it's like pretty much angels are killing those all those souls. Girls. Yeah, yeah, Glenn um, Morshow, the the eyes burnt out of the girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And God, what was the second episode? Okay, so was it the Pine Bluff variant? Was it the conspiracy theory one? Yes, the one yes, that was, was that. Just, yeah. <laughs> which is just great. Like it's the one where they where they like just poison popcorn if i remember correctly yeah That's yeah the- yeah the, yeah he pours it in the movie theater and then when yeah. you go in everyone is just melted their faces are melted <laughs> yeah that one's really weird that one goes in full and it's like no it wasn't the russians who developed it it was the <laughs> americans who developed it yeah never comes back in any way shape or form no paranormal like twist in there no aliens it's just a bunch of government stuff which is great i, I like love that one an episode i always i'm always like are they ever going to reference what happens here again? And I was surprised <laughs> that they did reference Scully's daughter. And I was like, oh, they came back to it. But then she has that religious moment with like angels. And I'm like, they're never going to talk about this again. And sure enough, they have not talked about it again. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's, it's that cusp of things where it's kind of half serialized, where you have the episodes yeah. that count that are the mythology. But then the standalone episodes, like nobody's ever really like, so, you know, that tombs thing was pretty odd, right? Yeah. He, he came back once and then it's like, but we'll never talk of him again. Yeah. yeah. Like, we really need to talk about this fluke, man. Like, this was <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> like, this He's like wild. still out there, to be yeah. clear. Like, yeah. yeah. I always like one of them has, there's like a coin flip and it's like one of us has to be a skeptic this time. Doesn't matter what it is. One of us has to forget everything that's happened to us <laughs> the last four years and be like, we've literally fought aliens and werewolves and supervillains, but no, it's fine. That always amazed that. me. I was like, how do you remain skeptical after all this? Is it like, is it synchronicity from the fourth season has one of my all time favorite ones, which is the time travel one where like, I think a book or maybe it's Kaddish, but somewhere the book lights on fire spontaneously. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, that's the moment where Mulder's like, see, it's cursed. And Scully's like, it could have been stored underground in a high pressure <laughs> environment and the dirt and water could have like formed a combustible main, you know, mm-hmm. and then it was exposed to oxygen and that could have yeah. caused. And I'm like, Scully, just, just give him this one. Just yeah, like, yeah. just let him have this yeah, one. Sure, like, sure. it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Everything doesn't need to be explained. Sometimes things need <laughs> to be cursed. You're, uh, yeah. you're reading Darren's book along with it, aren't you? I am. I am. I, I'm two, two seasons behind. So I've read the first, uh, I've read the opening and then the first two seasons. Did, I'm excited. Are to there, is season there anything two. that makes you go? I wonder what now Darren thinks of old Darren. Yeah. How long ago did you write this, Darren? Uh, 2017, I want to say so, but just before the revival came back, I have not touched oh, it since the revival started. We need the director's cut, the author's <laughs> cut. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Like whatever, you know how like he released the stand. He's like, it's bigger now, <laughs> and therefore better. Yeah. yeah, we need you to threaten people by releasing a bigger version. <laughs> um i'll talk to the publisher about that i the nolan one is also now a movie out of date or two movies out of date actually because you need to work on that as well 
because I don't have Tenant either. So yeah. Oh, oh my god. I should do yeah. the Tenant chapter backwards. I don't know that they'd appreciate oh, that, but I should do the Tenant it's chapter already backwards. already happened. You could do the Oppenheimer <laughs> chapter eight times. So. <laughs> Fair. Um, what are you going to no, do, I, do I, next? I have no idea, and that's kind of great. It's like I had an idea. Like, I remember th- talking to somebody about Tenet and being like, yeah, he feels like, like it reminds me a lot of that Oppenheimer stuff. Like, cause one of my friends was reading po- the modern Prometheus mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, there's a lot of Oppenheimer stuff in here. And so then he was like, I'm doing an Oppenheimer movie. It's like, yeah, um, I have no idea what he does next. So typically it's probably going to be uh, like a genre film. Cause the way that it works is genre prestige. So he does, you know, obviously he tempered his Batman <laughs> movies with like the prestige quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have like he did like Interstellar, then he did Dunkirk, which is the more obvious Oscar movie. Then he did Tenet, which is the genre movie. Then he did Oppenheimer, which is the more prestige one. So I guess maybe it's just like Oppenheimer made one? too much money. It threw yeah. everything out of whack. <laughs> That's fair. He's just like, like me for real. Uh, yeah, he is like you. What yeah, do you want yeah, me? Yeah. You were just but talking they're about all for him. him. Yeah. yeah. You were just it, talking it about cool things. Like, I need I've done too much of this. Too I need much, to do yeah. a little bit of this. Temperate right stuff of legends as well. He's probably just gonna snatch a Wikipedia article again. Yeah, is genre... just see whatever on. Just keep refreshing whatever Wikipedia story of the day is, and one of those. Yeah, yeah, one be, one of those one because one. I feel like his genre ones really are just like a Wikipedia article. Oh, that would be cool to see. <laughs> yeah, that'd be he cool goes down visualize. rabbit holes every night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But my my favorite, like again, I the thing that I find fascinating about Nolan is that because he is very literal minded, if you look at the premise of so many of his movies, they are literally like Nolan wants to do a thing that normal directors don't even think about doing, but he has to rationalize to an nth degree. So like, I think inception, he said slow motion could never wrap my head around slow motion. Mm -hmm. Always wanted to do a movie with slow motion, but I'd never get my head to understand how that works. So I created the logic whereby characters went like six levels deep and each of those was 10 times slower so I could use slow motion. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Tenet, Tenet is very much like, no, as a kid, he just pressed the rewind and play button on the recorder at the same yeah. time and thought it looked cool. So I'm like, I don't, superimposed? Is he going to do that thing like when you used to record stuff off the television oh, okay. and sometimes you get like weird faded echoed images over us? Ooh, a uh, horror movie, a horror movie. Using it. He hasn't done horror yet. It is those I things that, that do surprise me. I, I saw an interview where they said, can you explain Memento on a graph? And he's like, not really, because I don't think visually. He says, I think, I forgot how he says, I think <coughs> grammarly. Like if, it, he, if he can get it into words, he can understand it. But outside of it, he's like, it just amazes me how things work in a weird sense that what? way. So I don't know, maybe like as a kid, I'd get soap between my, my fingers and just blow bubbles out. That'll be it. Childhood <laughs> wonders. A bubble movie. Just a yeah. bubble. Or, how, do, how do bubbles why, work? Magnets. Why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? The oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> or some some kind of brain thing. It's like how come whenever you know you're driving and you're looking for see where you're going, you always turn the music down. Yeah, turn the music down so I can see better, right? It'll be this this character that like blinds himself so he can hear better. Or that's his daredevil. Daffins himself. Yeah, he'll make daredevil. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like you, again, this is the thing when he was asked, like, what the inspiration for Dunkirk was. Like one time, he went out in a boat with his family, and it got a little stormy. And he was like, "Wait, what if? Hear me out. It's a movie." Yeah. See, and it's <laughs> he's just like me. World of Warcraft. I was like, "What if Western?" <laughs> that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna find yeah. some random article and go, "What if?" Mad Libit. Yeah. Somebody serves him cold coffee one day and he's like, wait, what if we talk about global warming? What about global cooling? <laughs> I like that. I 
like it. I like it. <laughs> one of these, one of these is absolutely going to be uh, going to be his next movie. We'll see. Or he'll just uh, he'll do Secret Wars, and you'll never watch any of his movies again. That <laughs> 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 God has forsaken me. Can there's no. There's that. <laughs> God, I'd be so bad. Mobile <laughs> says football, but what if Toy Story? Oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've, well done it. we've gone backwards. Oh no! <laughs> just like we have to go back. Ah, to- beautiful. Um, okay, before we get to One Piece, we got a couple of super chats. Tyler King, been a member for three months in the tip chart, tosses us two dollars. Thank you so much, Tyler King. Any day with recap is a good day. Thank you so much, Tyler. And then Nicholas B, been a member for sixteen months. X Files or how not to fill out an expense report? How much money do you think they're supposed to have on that show? That's a plot point. That does become a plot point. Um, I know in, in the, the later season, like in the last yeah. season, he goes to Scully's house. It's like, holy shit, you live in like a gorgeous <laughs> modern house. No, in the in the last episode with Mulder in it, like the motivating incident is the FBI send an accountant down and Mulder's not having it, um, <laughs> which is like it, it, it is like one of those subtext things where it's like uh, Chris Carter obviously had some meetings with the network and was not happy with how they yeah. went. Where he's like, so how are you filing your expense report? So you spent x amount to stay in a hotel down here what are you thinking and he got nothing to show for it and it like there, it does become a recurring plot point to be fair i think like even in the fifth season in detour they joke about having to share rooms due to oh, their yeah, expense reports yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great i love it uh x files you're great everyone should watch it um one piece hot new show biggest show on netflix is it big well it was the number one watch show which is pretty normal that's pretty normal for the big (laughs) shows um but uh yeah so one the the live action uh netflix adaptation of oda's uh manga slash anime one piece uh released uh not this weekend but the following uh, previous weekend on netflix uh it immediately at least in in my circle of normies normies are watching this and the normies in my life think it's delightful which I'm, which I'm loving. It uh, uh, got a chance to watch it. I have not, I've never watched up until after I finished this. I've never watched um, any of the anime. Never read the manga. Obviously, I, I like my anime, but One Piece was always that. Like Darren mentioned, the thousand plus episodes uh, make it a bit daunting. <laughs> like, what if I don't do this? What if I just rewatch the same five shows I, I love over and over and over again? <laughs> what if I stay in the nineties? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there are but, four more seasons of X Files. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And according to Darren, they get pretty choppy. <laughs> Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> Enjoy uh, the next six episodes, Marty. Enjoy hey, the love, next. Six I love episodes. my Robert Patrick. Just bring him on. <laughs> oh no, you've got a year and a half before you get to Robert oh, Patrick. No. Um, but yeah, I think uh, One Piece for a uh, for a newbie, for a novice, for for someone just coming into this world, the Netflix series I think is a wonderful entry point. Um, it the thing it reminds me the most of is the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I mean that in like a sincere way i really like that trilogy all of its weird trilogy. you know there sequels four, aside <laughs> well no, there are five you forgot about salazar's revenge yeah. <laughs> that's why i specifically said i really like that trilogy um i just love the brazenness of salazar's revenge like it's like the audience no, is no. sitting there wondering we need to be talking about salazar like <laughs> everyone's sitting there wondering when are they going to get back to salazar uh but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it has that same sort of really kind of fun spirit of adventure energy, uh, unlike other recent adaptations and, and just 
genre shows as a whole, which we've been complaining about with a lot of Star Wars shows, you know, minus Andor and stuff like the live action Cowboy Bebop. I'd love the tangibility of of One Piece. They have these sets. They built these ships. They built these the Barate, which is a giant restaurant out at sea that's on a giant boat that looks like a fish and the bar is in the fish's mouth. And they built this thing and it looks fucking cool. And there's like two episodes that are set in this place. And I'm like, oh, my God, what like an awesome sense of place here. Um, and I think the casting, despite I know a lot of hardcore fans are going to be like, this character is different because of X, Y, Z. The saw- thing that matters to me most about casting, they look like they're having a great time. And I just like spending time with them. <laughs> and like these these kids, I call them kids, but they're probably they're like 20s and 30s. Delightful. Just I think they're just delightful to spend time with. Um, the eight episodes up by in a flash and I would gladly watch. 10 more seasons, even though knowing Netflix, it will probably get two more seasons and then be unceremoniously canceled. Yeah, that's the sweet spot, isn't it? Three seasons is Netflix's sweet spot before we have to start, start paying start the big paying bucks. Proper. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Exactly. It's yeah. the, the point at which the residuals get knocked up a grade traditionally. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, Frost, you uh, you watched you famously watched the anime in in uh double or triple speed uh, 2.5 Woo. 2.5 speed end. three was just wow. way too much because if you blinked for a little too long you're like wait a minute go back this is how nolan gets his ideas yeah. he watches watches oh sugar again what what i mean he doesn't use netflix but what if he's like no four times speed what but, if uh, pirates but very fast but how how long did it's it the take opposite you of to 300 yeah. two weeks yeah. Two weeks, and I caught up. It was wow. only 900 episodes at the time. So not the full thousand, but it was, oh, okay. it was two weeks. And the first day was normal. It was it was right around, oh, I don't remember how many episodes into it, but we were at the second arc with uh, with Usopp, where they're showing his stuff, where I was going, this is a lot, this is a little slow, <laughs> but what if I just like made it a little faster? And, and that kind of hooked me. I was like, 1.5, all right, two is good, 2.5. Three, you have to. I could do it in bursts, but eventually my brain would just like, oh god, I blinked. Were you watching the dub or the sub? I was doing the sub, so I was reading it. Reading really, it, reading it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, have, I also I'm continually amazed by this. Yeah, oh, I, I also just you, love right? the way that you phrase that. First day was normal. Yeah. It's like it's like a diary entry on a haunted ship. <laughs> it's like the first day was sprawling in blood. <laughs> first, yeah. first day was normal, and then and then the vision started. The, um, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I woke up in the middle of sleep, going, "I need." Like, I was like, it was after the third or fourth day because I was watching it either on my PC or on my phone or whatever. And I was like, my hands are actually starting to hurt from just <laughs> this is very uncomfortable. So I made a fun box that. Hold it. I could lay down, put it over my head, and it would just hold my phone. That's where the me. fun box That's comes where the from. Fun box okay. comes from. Yeah, as a, as a good old time. Uh, it's like that. It's like the coffin from Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Is what I'm imagining now. It's like you just have the mask on her, just plugging one piece into you. Yeah, <laughs> I am Tom Cruise going. This is cinema. <laughs> over my head. Wait, um, it says our it? call's gonna end in 15 minutes. How to do that? Extend the call. Free group calls. Sure. Do I have to put quarters in here? Extend the call. <laughs> I mean, we could just start a new free group call. Right? Yeah, if it ends, we'll start another one. Okay, chat. In 15 minutes, if we disappear, we're all going us, to Darren. Wait, why don't give we, us a moment we just, and we'll come back? Why don't we just leave now and start it over? Okay. Well, we'll leave. We'll finish your story. Okay. Okay. Wait. And then. All right. So. My Discord is still downloading update 114. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, I know what? people. I know people care. <laughs> Lovely. I was yeah so so that was that was quite the adventure I would say I've I've dosed myself up and it's nice to it's nice to go watch it in a way I don't feel like I have to put it on 
doubles. Mm-hmm. I feel like they fixed a lot of um, minor pacing. Here's the thing. One Piece is one of those things where if you critique it, that critique is never damning. It is. It is. Uh, it has earned its legacy. Um, people complain about filler, but if you actually go on the ratio of episodes to filler, it is one of the lowest ones of all the shows. It's like 10%. Mm-hmm. So any critique you have of the show is nice. never damning, never like, oh, don't watch it. But it did have like a few pacing issues here and there um, that I took issue with. And I think this is a really good way for people who haven't, who are like intimidated by a thousand episodes. Girlfriend was watching with me and she's like, oh, I, I, I love this. I'm loving this. Having mm-hmm. a good time here. Now, I also have weeb friends. And I was like, have you watched it yet? One of them was too far gone. He's like, no, they got me on the manga and the anime. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I, can't, but, I can't have this. Right, but other friends have, have noticed that they're like, there's a few things that they took creative liberties on. Right? There's a few minor things. I think it still does it fairly well. Like um, episodes, I think three and four with Usopp. Those were kind of, um, they had to deliver with what they could because it was a massive fight here with a guy that looked like Michael Jackson. I was like, yeah. that's a lot of money, I suppose. So we're just going to make we're gonna yeah, make it about... I'm, I'm on those episodes of the anime now, and I'm like, oh, they truncated a lot of this. Yeah, they... Like, into, like, we'll just make this kind of one single spooky mansion and have yeah, the fight yeah. take place like, here. We'll, we'll have it all have in this mansion. A lot of the stories are very, like, mished, mishmashed together because how it used to be would is sort of, like, introduce one crewmate and the villain of the, of the week, I, I suppose. It was uh, the little arc, so it would be... Um, Luffy and how he got there and then it would be Zoro and like why why do you have the mm-hmm. third sword which they don't yeah. show until later on and uh, as they're doing with Axan and then it would be Usopp and, and, and where he is there to the point where Usopp was the weakest one because in the anime he's a hell of a liar he, they are all if anything they're, this is not a bad thing they're one notes in one piece Luffy is only only does one or two things. Zoro only does one or two things. Usopp only does one or two things. But they try to give them almost too much range, too much humanity in the live action. To the point where it doesn't sell itself, really. Um, if anything, Usopp's character is too charming in this one. Yeah, too because like, in the anime, silly. when he lies, everyone's like, you're, you're a fucking liar. Yeah, you're a horrible liar. You're a horrible liar. He's more banterous in that sort of way. But this yeah, one, and really on the show, silly. when he lies, they're like, oh, Usopp, you're so silly. Yeah, you're so silly, and, and you're too charming about it. They are having their moments where they are trying to sort of um, appease fans in a little way, like Zoro getting lost. That's a big thing later on, but they kind of brought it in a little earlier. I think some of the outfits, even, they, they're from later uh, ones there. But... If you're not too far gone, it's it's more of the thing you enjoy. And if anything, it's in the spirit of the anime because the anime was meant to market for the manga. I mm-hmm. think the live action does a good job of marketing for the anime, which markets for the manga. I think it's great. I think it's a great live action adaptation. Yeah, it is like the only true trickle-down economics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we'll get you here so that you'll get into this, so that you'll get into this. I love the idea that this is preparing for the two-hour movie that comes down the line. It's like, we're we're gradually whittling and condensing it down. Can I ask, have the producers talked about, like, do they have an end game plan for the live action show? Do they have an end? The anime has an end game in mind, am I right? Yes, supposedly he said, like, we're in the end game, which could mean... He said that episodes. so long ago. <laughs> Which could be literally hundreds of episodes. He said, yeah. he said, like, we're in the end game, getting close to a thousand. And he said, now we're cooking. We're getting started. <laughs> I said, Wait, you're like 90. Actually, I don't know how old he is. Actually, it's revved. Now it's properly revved up. We can really start having fun. But, like, surely, like, the, the Netflix, have they said how long they want it to run? No. I mean, they've said that they have the second season completely written before the strike and that they'd be ready to start filming as soon as the strike ends. Um, 
but I was talking uh, to this with uh, Casey, who's a who's a big fan of the anime, and asking like, is there a place where the live action show could ostensibly end in 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 the current animated series ah, that would make sense? Satisfying. Like six hundred episodes in, was there something where you're like, oh, you could kind of end here and be like, this is an ending to the story? And he said, no, <laughs> no, no. There, there is <laughs> the no... show just keeps the the show just keeps going forward. Yeah, um, there's places they could end, but it wouldn't it would not be resolved. Almost to the yeah. point where you would just look back and go, man, I kind of wish it had gone further. But you know, it's like uh, the actors were getting older, and yeah, no, there is, yeah. there is. I mean, the only place that you could end is like after you collect the crewmates and right before a big fight. But then that, then what was all this building up to? But, but, but surely yeah. that feels like you're about to begin something rather yeah. than end something. It's like, uh, hey, yeah. welcome to this whole bunch of new characters <laughs> exactly. that you're never going to spend any time with. Yeah, and as um, I said. Only ten percent filler. There, there's always purpose. <laughs> They're always moving forward. There's no place where you could just go. Yeah, yeah. let's cut it off. I mean, you could lop there. off entire arcs. That's what you'd kind of have to do. Instead of like truncating it, you'd have to be like, well, these <laughs> several hundred we're just not going to do. Like, we, you're just not going to this part of the ocean. We're, <laughs> we're, we're not doing the middle fifteen years yeah. of the show. It's like, yeah, yeah we're giving you the opening five and the closing five, but we're not doing no, the middle let's fifteen. Fill in the rest of it. There's, there's a few. I don't know. It's, it's just, it is. Uh, I praise it for its elegance because it is so simple, but it hits its beats. And you never yeah. really go, okay, you didn't need that part. It is mm-hmm. just, it's already so trim that any more trimming, it does have its fillers that you could, you could take out of there, but each one's almost, uh, almost gets scary if you mess with it too much. Cause as I said, Usopp's a whole like background and the same thing for, uh, for Zoro. You're like, oh, like, did we have to, we have to do that there? Yeah. It's interesting in the live action how they how they sort of structure single episodes around flashbacks, you know, not to bring up Lost like I always do. Oh, I, bet but, say, like, I was about to say, that, yeah. that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, you had the Zoro, the Nami episode, like that was, I was waiting the whole season, I was being like, what's her deal? And then you finally get it in the yeah. in the last two episodes and stuff, and um, as, yeah, as someone who did not know who these characters were beforehand, other than the main dude was stretchy, um, I I was like, I really like it. Like, be like I, Fantastic I, Four, by the yeah. way. <laughs> main dude stretchy, yeah. yeah. That's in, in uh, the FF Weekly. We yeah. love the main dude stretchy. Main dude stretchy. Uh, before we go on, do you want to restart the call so we can... Let's give that a go. So we're not going to yell that. Before uh, we go, oh, yeah. I just want to note, this is another water wet scenario. Oh, it is. Except it, Luffy it, can't go underwater. Ah. He, he he ate the devil fruit and so he's not allowed yeah, to go yeah. underwater so, so he's 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 topping out about 400 million then he's t- like that's it yeah <laughs> exactly. that's it like, he will not uh, yeah. um i think one of the reasons i'm so impressed by this is because um much like video games before this year um live action anime adaptations have been primarily very bad um you know we have famous examples like the dragon ball uh evolution movie uh we had the death note live action mm-hmm. movie whose one saving grace was willem dafoe uh we had avatar which we know isn't isn't technically like i believe that isn't technically anime it was anime, and, North no, Korea, no, no, anime adjacent though i think people yeah. would, would lump that in um and then most recently we had the cowboy bebop adaptation which I thought was pro- mostly unsuccessful, but again, I liked the cast, so I would have liked to see a second season because I was like, you have the core there. Like, you just need to just create something better around it. What and uh, clearly, I didn't what, get to see it. Yeah, I haven't fully seen Bebop, even though I, I, I should. But. So, I, I, again, I think what I was talking about with uh, One Piece, what works with me is the tangibility of that world yeah. and it feeling like a real place. And in Cowboy Bebop, everything felt like you were behind this kind of bland brown green like green screen filter yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and it's just, screen, yeah 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 and it's tough because like 
you know, when you're in these, like, it's, it's tough to like tangibly build a sci-fi world, especially on a relatively low budget. Um, and just some of the some of the stuff didn't work. The core casting of the villain vicious just didn't work for me. Oh, and, that's uh, right. Yeah, it, 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 uh, like this is the thing where like now you mentioned. I'm remembering I actually did watch the live action Cowboy mm-hmm. Depot because there's a fight in a clock tower, right? And there's a moment yep. where John Chu goes into a thing and has like TVs in his brain. Yeah, yeah. Am I am I remembering yeah. like? And it's like I have no semblance of what actually happened, which is it, worrying. Yeah, it leaves you. And like the John Chu of it was like I thought he was like a really <laughs> good choice for for spike like i thought that was like really good casting um much like again almost everyone in one piece i i really you know i don't have the relationship with those characters that i do with cowboy bebop because i've watched cowboy bebop a bunch and love it um but uh i think they they nailed the casting in both of them it's just they kind of fumbled the execution itself in cowboy bebop and never got a chance to pull up from it like cowboy bebop really never had it doesn't feel like it ever i don't know anyone who watched cowboy bebop who didn't watch the anime and most yeah. of the people who watch the anime were like, this isn't as good as the anime. Why would I watch that? Uh-huh. Whereas One Piece, for whatever reason, like, I, I don't know what the reason is. It it clearly sort of permeated the mainstream. And like like I said, Normies, I know, watched it. And you said you got your girlfriend to watch it and everything. So, um, yeah, something about it uh, clicked in a way that those prior adaptations didn't. It's the water. It's the way the of water. water. I, think, I think it's the sincerity as well. And, yeah. the, and the, biggest, the biggest one was going to be how they handled uh, Buggy the Clown. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, to a smaller degree, the phones. Have you noticed the phones that they have in One Piece? They're snails. Yeah, the, the snails. Yeah, they're everything great. about their the way they act, the way they frame. It's it's just so so nonchalant. It's like, yeah, this is the world we live in. Don't make a big deal about it. The, you know yeah. that that's what it is. It gives that sense of like this is what it would be like in your world, but it's not your world. It's our world. Right. And that is what pulls you in. I think that's where live action fails a lot. So like like freaking Goku in high school. Yeah. If Ugh. they're using snails as telephones, does that make them shell phones? Yeah, they're shell phones. <laughs> My work here's done. They're super sincere. The casting was great. Inyaki is doing amazing as Luffy. Like, oh my god, my he's god. so good. So, like, it would be so easy to screw up that character. But he is so genuinely like positive and and sincere and like I don't know like for in, in other hands that sort of saccharine nature of someone who's just like follow your dreams and that's the only thing I care about is that is my friends and making sure they follow their dreams and somehow it's just like it's wonderful and you root for this guy and you want to spend yeah. time with him and I'm like you're delightful give him more meat let him eat. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I really, I, I really, I really like that casting. I think the the choreography, the fight scenes, I think is really strong, and you know it helps that like Zoro's the the actor who plays Zoro is like the son of Sonny Chiba, like one of the, oh okay, yeah, oh, uh, so he <laughs> comes from like <laughs> one of the most historic like martial arts backgrounds in cinematic history, and so it's not surprising when those fight scenes like look really good. So what you're saying is he's a Nepo baby, is what I'm getting. He is, he's one, yeah, one of the baby. Oh, that, that's what you need to you need to frame your Nepo baby article around. Really, really around <laughs> really that. one piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and yeah, in my mind, this is um, the most successful live action anime adaptation since um, the Speed Racer movie, which I think we've talked about in here. I love Speed Racer that, movie. Yeah, has so gotten. Much. Like wasn't we didn't understand how good it was at the time. Like we the collective we and now that we look back on it, we're like, this is what we live in a society where we don't get movies like this all the time and we need to appreciate what we had. Uh Roger Ebert and I knew we had something special. <laughs> 
we knew for speed and oh, yeah. we knew for speed, speed racing. two tokyo drift three and speed racer we yeah knew. I do love the idea of all those studios getting together and just saying, so we just put speed in front of it and Ebert will love it. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, speed, yeah. speed diehard. That's exactly. It. exactly. Yeah. Um, George Lucas brings up a good point, though, of uh, but now there will be more adaptations. And that is one of the worries. I think one of, of the worries maybe... is that the floodgates, if they're not already open, will be opening and people will take the wrong lessons from this. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's fine if it's older media, because that's why it worked for One Piece, but Cowboy Bebop is older. It's just as old. Death Note, I can't remember when that came through, but that was, yeah, that was just... I think it was early aughts. Rough. Death Note feels like a post-9-11 thing. <laughs> Does it? I mean... It- yeah, you got a book, and you just be like, I, w- I want to off this person. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Darren's like, it feels so- more like a Vietnam thing. It's really, if you ask me, um, <laughs> more of a Granada. I get more of a Granada vibe from this. The the okay. effort involved. Okay. Granada is- notes from this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The effort involved in this is equivalent to the effort expended in Granada. Um, <laughs> hello, mother. Hello, father. Uh, here I am invading Granada. But what? <laughs> It does feel like it might be like a J horror boom thing. Like remember after the ring for like mm. 10 years, there were just all these spates of adaptations of like J horror, which were terrible, but are now completely forgotten, but burnt them out relatively quickly. I think they burnt themselves out relatively quickly. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, um, I've, I know I've already read stories about a live action, my hero academia in the works. You have to imagine, with Attack on Titan ending, people have been talking about, you know, adapting that into live action. Weird you know, one. other big ones, Demon oh. Slayer, your Chainsaw Man. Um, Shin which, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you imagine how bad a live action <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion is? Only um, if you adapt End of Evangelion in live action. That's oh, what I insist. Oh, I've already <laughs> seen, like, the photoshops where people try to, it's like, Tom Holland as Shinji and, like, like uh, uh get back in the mech tom holland <laughs> like kevin that's kevin Feige. oh my god that's the metaphor that's how you pitch it it's like kevin feige is like the dad and he's like get in the mech tom <laughs> it's like get in the green screen booth or we'll make zendaya get in hers <laughs> it's just kevin feige pulling up his his sunglasses yeah <laughs> um i don't want that to happen it's gonna happen honestly i think it's gonna ha- with with the superhero fatigue getting stronger and stronger i feel like the, the IP mines are opening and this year has has taught people the wrong lesson of let's open up this Mattel toy box and see what we have. Let's take any video game and maybe it'll either win Emmys or make a billion dollars like Mario and um, and the last, last of, us. of us. Or let's just uh, look at these wild Japanese cartoons and start <laughs> making some of those because it'll it'll sort of the top of the Netflix uh charts i mean um, the other you know. the other side of that though is that like it's it's famously difficult to adapt this stuff like akira has been bouncing around for decades and it's in seems the hands like there of was... really popular of jordan peele and taika watiti taika watiti's yeah. akira is something to imagine isn't yeah. it jordan um, peele got his akira moment in nope though with the oh with yeah which the i love with the slide, slide. Yeah. yeah um but like it does feel like you know, you look at things like, say, Creed 3, for example, this year has a big mm-hmm. anime influence in it. Yeah. There is anime influence in anime animation, appropriately enough, like, say, The Bad Guys or Puss in Boots has yeah. huge, like, Darren says, like, again, big boss baby vibes, huge anime vibes, says yeah. Darren, who has watched a grand total of, like, 50 hours of anime ever, which is nothing. But what You'll I will watch say, an extra two later this year with The Boy and the Heron, so there you go. I, I will. I, yeah. I, 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 that's I the thing, like, does that stuff count? I feel really bad yeah, when I kind of count. counts. 
Uh, yeah, but it's like it's so different. It's like counting. I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things like I don't know. It do, it does feel like it's cheating to count that as kind of anime. You know, in a way, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like I listen to rock, but it's Nickelback. You know. <laughs> So yeah, I, I totally, I totally I, I, anime. I, I like that the Maizaki is the nickelback of anime. It's like, <laughs> like the takeaway. video games because I do Wordle every morning. Yeah, like that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of like. I think we are lucky in that, like, the generation of executives who will be green lighting this stuff are still probably like weirded out and unfamiliar with this yet. Mm-hmm. Like that's like at least with the Mattel stuff, it's like the executives go home and they look at the shelves of toys they bought for the kids they never see, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, we're doing a uh, Scrabble movie, oh. yeah, Hot Wheels, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sit in the empty playroom, yeah. like with a glass, a sifter of brandy, the ice cubes chinking off the sides as the the maid puts the kids to bed, and they're like, I think a Game of Life movie." Um, I like the same thing, but with the snifter brandy opening up Crunchyroll and being like, reborn as a vending machine. (laughs) (laughs) Just pulls out a gun, shoots the TV, and is like, all right, none of these anymore. Funny thing, I think it'll be harder to adapt more modern anime, because the selling point is the crazy animations. And Mm. but one piece if if again, if you were to critique it, one piece shows its age a little bit. Oh, there you go. Maybe like Monster X Hunter because it's around the same time and it's a bit more like laid back as far as the animation. Hunter went. X Hunter. You just That's the one. Why does it Monster X Hunter? <laughs> I got Godzilla on the brain. <laughs> You're thinking of Mila Jovovich's Monster Hunter. Yeah, movie. That, that's the one. Uh, Hunter Hunter. Yeah, uh, I Hunter, can see Hunter uh, Hunter. Hunter Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn of Justice. Um, Demon yeah. Slayer as well. Also, like, because that was the highest grossing movie. That has pretty. an end in sight. That has like one or two seasons left, I think. Only. And it was the highest grossing movie of like 2020, wasn't it? Wow. The yeah. Box office. But like, that is just... truly one of the like Casey has the outlandish take that I don't agree with. That um, <laughs> everything is better if it's animated. That n- anything could be improved if it was animated. So you could be like Oppenheimer would be better. I was, if it was animated. <laughs> I was literally just thinking like he does have those big eyes, Killian Murphy's big eyes, <laughs> yeah. little rosy cheeks the as he blue, stares yeah. into middle distance. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> his thing is always like if you do anything live action, it is just like flat out a step down. And so, <laughs> but when it comes to Demon Slayer, I would be like, there is Demon Slayer is so stylish. That doing yeah. this in live action, like, what would be the point? Which I'm sure a lot of people are saying who are hardcore fans of One Piece are probably saying the same thing. No, I don't, I don't think so, because it is so simplistic, though. Like, One Piece is not yeah. that flashy. Yeah. yeah. I like that Marty's like, Hollywood will look at this and go, what's the point? And it will stop them. Like, some executive <laughs> will go, man, there's right. no creative benefit to be had yeah. from this adaptation. There's no way we can improve upon the original. And they'll look at each other and they'll go, let's pass. Yeah. Like, it's okay, guys. <laughs> it just won't be like, it won't be just Kyle Ren and Last Jedi going, more! more. <laughs> and then we get Snow White live action. Yeah. We're going to get an anime, an animated adaptation of the live action Lion King, and then it's just an Ouroboros. We're getting the Godfather Part 2 sequel to the Lion King live action adaptation. I directed like by the guy who did Moon. Ta- this whole thing's a tax write-off. It's not real, right? <laughs> Barry Jenkins. Like, that was a joke. I want them to be like, you guys didn't understand that was a joke. <laughs> like, we were clearly joking. Well, no one jokes on the internet. No one jokes. Not on my internet. Um, I mean, Bob Chapek. He's just he's a joker. Is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> he loves he loves good goof. Yeah. Um, what's Bob Chapek up to? Is he doing all right? 
<laughs> I imagine he got a very heavy golden parachute. Oh. Um, he's not invited like, to the fancy meeting, like to the fancy resorts. He's no. only well, like I mean, dead. did you read that article, which is incredible? Which the, is it CNBC? I'll drop it in the show notes, but it's like yeah. the CNBC behind the scenes story of like what happened, where like Bob Iger was apparently like on the private jet fuming that he wasn't being consulted in these decisions that Chapek was making while Chapek was CEO. So he like would literally boot Chapek out of like the Zoom call with the board and be like, hey, guys. We got to deal with this CEO guy. Like that's a great power play. <laughs> it re- it really is. Like like because my my big thing has been not understanding why I- Iger would come back. But reading yeah. that article, it's very clear he never left. Like he always saw Chapek as this sort of like puppet meat puppet that he could operate. Yeah. Like he didn't give up his office, which is incredible. Like imagine like being <laughs> yeah, I'm no longer CEO, but my office has a shower in it, so I'm yeah. gonna keep it. Like. <laughs> You can work out of the smaller office in the corner as the yeah. CEO of Disney. Yeah, but yeah, like it's there like, was a. It's like leaving a table setting for like a, a lost family member. We we like we leave a nice corner office on the top floor for a lost CEO. I'm gonna drop that in the chat now, but it is incredible. It's a, like it's a really great read if if people have time to read it. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, no, I completely missed this last week. I'll have to check this out. Um. Moving on to uh, stuff we watch. Before we move on to stuff we watch, uh, going over some super chats. Uh, Rhythm NPC, welcome to Early Access as a new member. Rhythm NPC, we got all sorts of good stuff for you. Are any here? You got some vids in Early Access, Frost, don't you? I did. You well. have uh, stuff of Legends. Is that in? in yeah, early new access? stuff of Legends. Is it World of Warcraft Funeral Crashers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just rereading this article. When Iger announced his departure to staff on Disney's Burbank Studio lot, he called himself Big Bob and Chapek Little Bob, a light reminder of who was still in charge. That is amazing. Incredible. I love it. That's that's like succession level nonsense. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone ever watches Succession, is like ah, this is outlandish. You're like no, they're actually they're probably it's probably relatively tame compared to what stuff's actually like uh, behind closed doors. Yeah. Big Bob and Little Bob. Big like, <laughs> but like, just so you're aware, I'm not going to be here anymore. But I'll always be Big Bob. Yeah. Son of Big Bob. Yeah, Mobile says it's like Big Boss. Uh, uh, Jason Tudor with a five Canadian dollar dono. Thank you so much, Jason. Darren, thanks for the talk to me recommendation. It was fantastic. Uh, have you seen the other Aussie ghost horror, Run Rabbit Run? Loved it as well. I, I've not- I have not. That's on the list. That's the Sarah Snook Netflix movie, which is yeah, kind of on yeah. my to watch list, which I'm quite interested in. I heard it was pretty good. It. So the Babadook um well i mean yeah australian horror good um yeah. which is yeah yeah um, so yeah it, it is on the list and sarah snook also good that's a nice yeah. segue from succession by the way yeah yeah um oh that worked well uh proud hand 1054 speaking of australian dollars uh media is good <laughs> if you just speed it up a little watching breaking bad and the sopranos at three times speed oh, and God. you can be smart without having to put in <laughs> any of the hard work work smarter not harder I don't, I don't know if I endorse that position. Gilligan and David Simon just died. No, I don't, don't <laughs> think I want over. Sopranos at three times. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of all those pregnant pauses, those moments of the characters staring into middle distance. You just hit the beep, 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 and just get through that as quickly as possible. I know people possible. who listen to podcasts at uh, like, uh, you know, 1.5 to two times speed. Didn't. But I'm like, doesn't everyone just sound like chipmunks? I, that's it. I sound like a chipmunk at one time speed. Like, if you if like, <laughs> The real sicko mode, mode is half speed. Yeah, everyone sounds I like a, get enough. a drunk at last call, slurring their speed. That's how I'm going to watch the new uh, Wes Anderson short films he's got going on. The, I didn't realize oh, the Roald Dow. Roald Dow. Yeah. Oh, four days in a row. What? 
Yeah, I said, who, I wait, what, what have you done? He made his own event out of nowhere. You already made a movie out of this year. You can't do yeah. all those in five, one year. Five. How, how long are they each? I mean, he probably just asked AI to generate them, right? He just said Wes oh, Anderson short movie, nice. right? Hey, TikTok <laughs> told me it's very easy to replicate Wes Anderson. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. There's a lot of good stuff coming this fall. Despite the fact that everything's terrible, there's some good stuff coming this fall. Yeah. The, how, the fall of the House of Usher trailer oh, yeah. came out. Oh, yeah, save I it. am save so it. It's going to go to shit. Yeah. Ready for some <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then Button Space, though, with a $2 dono. What are your expectations for Chopper? CG or Muppet? This is a character oh, I don't know. He's a Muppet. Casey was talking about him this weekend with uh, Superman Jeff on the podcast, and I had no idea what he was. What is Chopper? Oh, Chop- I only know Chopper from Rebels, who's a robot. Chopper is a moose that eats the human human fruit. He's a moose who eats the human human. Okay, so Thanks. one of the devil fruits yep. turn you into a human? He, that one turns him into a human, and he's a doctor. He's the- what if a human eats the human human fruit? I don't know. I don't know if he could become more human. More human than human? Yeah. What's well, more human than Isn't human. that the Tyrell Corporation? Ty- like, <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, uh, he's a he's a he's a reindeer. And uh I hope it's a Muppet. I hope it's a little kid dressed up as a moose and not CGI moose doll thing. I hope it's literally a Jim a Jim Henson Muppet. Yeah. Oh, oh that do they have from the was it the dark the resistance age of crystals dark crystal? the dark yeah, Soul, dark yeah. crystal age of resistance yeah I know that I'll get good. the words in the right order eventually if I just keep saying them yeah. <laughs> it's um, just Mad Libs throw them in a yeah. you could create a bunch of different shows if you just put them in different age order. of crystal dark resistance yeah it's like yeah, yeah I got it sounds like a great mobile game use one of those like more. yeah use one of those like uh, use those puppets just stick some new eyes on it and some hair or something it's grand yeah, they're yeah. probably just hanging around the Netflix lot right um, <laughs> exactly uh, or just cast an actual reindeer is there like a famous reindeer. I mean, there's Rudolph. Rudolph, right? I mean, they will have, they surely will have a real reindeer for when he is a reindeer. Like, not sure. talking, he's just he's just an animal, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't hear, I hear he doesn't work really... cheap. <laughs> the show didn't deer. really have any animals, did it? The show? Like, they cut out, there was like a dog, the live action One Piece. There was a dog who played a, uh, an important role in early episodes of the cartoon, and he did not, that dog did not appear. It's because they're, they're like strange hybrid things. So, like, uh, Kuro, or whatever his name was, he should have been a cat type person. Um, the one that was talking to Buggy, he was a shark, right? So, it's doing, it is doing this strange yeah. blend thing. Yeah, they have all the, uh, Arlong Park, like all those fishermen. Arlong, fishermen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's like there's certain characters that just wear like dog hats, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. Wear whatever kind of hat. Maybe you it's want. just a little kid with reindeer antlers. That sounds great. There that you go. Great. You're a doctor now. <laughs> yeah, there was a reindeer boy from uh, an old Fallout Boy music video. For sugar, we're going down. That that music video featured a reindeer boy somewhere in Australia. I mean, Amy so is pre- waking up at the crack of dawn, <laughs> and it's like someone has summoned me. <laughs> someone mentioned Fallout Boy. Do you love the uh, idea of like Netflix just scrolling through the L Rolodex under F? Is it F or is it B? Is it Boy <laughs> Fallout or Fallout Boy? Yeah. Which one? Which one? Yeah. Uh, perfect. Uh, Darren, you watch so much. Let's talk about it. I watched a bunch of stuff. I mean, we should probably just talk about the new stuff that I watched as opposed to like rewatching Oppenheimer for the seventh time because Are I had you a free a full Carpenter rewatch. I am. I'm kind of kicking off because Halloween is coming. So I figured I would watch the Halloween movies and I figured I would watch like while watching the Halloween movies. I was like, John Carpenter, pretty good director. So I should probably like just watch the John Carpenter movies. They'll be better than watching the Halloween movies. 76 to 86 is arguably the best 10 years of anyone's career ever. 
it's in the- any medium of the world. <laughs> yeah. And like year after year, he keeps hitting yeah. them out of the park. And year after year, A, the critics are incredibly snooty. Yeah. B, the studio is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you never get to work on this out again. And audiences are like, I forgot most of those movies existed. What is this star man you speak of or this Prince of Darkness? But it is an absolutely incredible rock. Yeah. It is dazzling. And yeah. I like, I really feel again like i'm one of those people who doesn't begrudge older directors when they you know don't produce work that isn't the standard of their earlier work mm-hmm. like it's like my my logic is if you work that hard for 10 years you have earned enough to like go do whatever you want to do and i will check it out out of curiosity and probably yeah. never watch it again if it's terrible like john carpenter can make as many the wards and ghosts yeah. of mars as he wants because he had that run of 10 yeah. and i am i'm continuously like shocked and disappointed that like Hollywood has recently realized that Carpenter is like the best. Yeah. Like you had that spate of horror remakes that included like in like it included literally order for order. It included was it the uh, Sultan Precinct 13, yeah. Rob Zombie's Halloween and yeah. a prequel to the thing. Uh, and recently you had and like, was, didn't we get a fog remake? As we well? got a fog remake as well. Yeah. And it's like, just give him money and let him do what he wants yeah. to do. Like yeah. his his big complaint is like he's old, which is great, and he's enjoying his retirement and he's playing video games. And I, the one it thing, is. those. Yeah, those, he's obsessed yeah. with games now. And he's like, not very good at it, but I love this Dead Space remake. No wonder he's yeah. not making anything. And and he <laughs> couldn't get he couldn't get on the horse in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Like I, I love John Carpenter; he's awesome. <laughs> um, he watches basketball, smokes weed, and like has difficulty getting on a horse in Red Dead Redemption. But Same. um. Like <laughs> who among us? I ask. Literally, um, he's, he's your dad. And, <laughs> and like he heals. I none of those remakes are good. Although I think I have a soft spot for the Halloween remake. As far as like those that wave of horror remakes goes, Zombies Halloween remake is at least interesting, which is more than most of them. Um, but like he, I can't begrudge them because of Carpenter like arguing. You know what's great about those remakes? Every time somebody decides to make a remake of one of my movies. As if by magic, a check appears yeah. in my mailbox yeah. and I get paid. And I'm like, this is a guy who famously didn't get paid for the work he actually did. Mm-hmm. The story is like, and again, Carpenter scores all of his movies and those scores are incredible, but he only scored them because it was cheaper than hiring somebody else. It was just a way to get the movie made. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like the man deserves some compensation for the work that he's done. And he said he would come back and he would direct, but he's at the stage where he will not do it if he doesn't have final cut and he will not do it if he's not given a reasonable budget. And I'm like, how is that not a slam dunk? How is somebody like Bloomhouse not just give? And he's not, it's not like he's going to ask for $150 million to make his version of Avatar. It's like, I got this idea about blue people on this alien planet. It's going to be all green screens. Give him $25 million, give him $30 million and have yeah. him go do what he wants to do. It's insane. Get him, get him on like a season of uh, the Guillermo del Toro's Oh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Well, I don't know yeah, about all this. It's now called House of Spooky. <laughs> House, House of Spooky. I like that. That was the rejected alternative title. Yeah. Like, but like you look at you look at things like even stuff that he didn't direct, even stuff that's not remaking his. Like, remember the uh, Firestarter remake from last year starring Zac Efron? If you I don't, did not until seconds ago. I was about to say, if you don't, don't worry. Everybody else has forgotten it as well. But that is like 
that is a Carpenter in joke, right? Where they the score is Carpenter-esque. They use the same font for the opening credits of it. And the reason that they did that is because in like 1983, after he directed The Thing, he was supposed to direct Firestarter. But Universal were like, oh, no, get your stinking paws off this and go and make Christine instead. And Christine is great. But yeah. it's weird that it's like, we're now making the alternate version of Firestarter that John Carpenter didn't get to make yeah. in 1983 three just give him the fucking money and yeah, do yeah. it himself it's yeah. really odd i will never understand hollywood i will never understand Hollywood. it's a weird it's a weird place um his movie his movies are so good though yeah all those movies are like they're also like timeless and they are they are still so good yeah the thing big trouble escape from new york fog halloween just even they live like man what a what a run they- they live as incredible. Like, I mean, the Prince of Darkness uh, in the Mouth of Madness, which is one that I only discovered like five, oh, ten that was years a great ago. Great one, yes. Yeah, That's name. incredible. Like, it, it's one of the great Lovecraft movies, and mm-hmm. it's also not racist, which is an incredible thing Whoa. to say about our Lovecraft <laughs> movies. Like, imagine <laughs> yeah. making a Lovecraft Fire adaptation. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but stunning. Like, they're beautifully made movies. They are incredible, and they like. Again, Carpenter. I love that Carpenter is just matter of fact about stuff where he shot every movie aside from his first movie, Dark Star, and his last movie, The Ward, in anamorphic widescreen. In many cases, the camera and the film were the most expensive part of the production because he knew that if you shot it in widescreen, it looked expensive. Yeah. Like that was that was just like massive galaxy brain filmmaking there, yeah. which is like the movie itself, like Halloween can be cheap as shit, right? But yeah. if you shoot it in widescreen on film, oh, this it is a movie. looks yeah, it looks like a like a movie, not to quote, is it like Harry Styles talking yeah. about like don't worry, darling. Yeah. It looks like a movie. Um, which is just again incredible. Um yeah. and I've also been watching Michael Mann movies in terms of nostalgia, uh, which Ooh. is kind of great, but they're inaccessible. Like it is very oh, difficult. Like literally, it's hard to. Like, yeah, no, no, not not, not metaphorically inaccessible. Uh, like I literally cannot pay in order to watch. Uh, them. Spiritually <laughs> opaque. This one. <laughs> I'm sitting down watching Thief and going, I don't know if I understand what's going on here. Um, but like, yeah, you, I have to. You would think in this digital future of we have a million streaming services and and just places where you can buy and rent movies from that why why nothing should be hard to find, right? Yeah, and like, particularly given like one of man's big thematic preoccupations, ironically enough, is the idea that everything is going to be digital and everything is going to be like put in computers and soon enough physical media and reality will all cease to exist. Like going back to Thief, Thief, which is his first movie, is literally about like criminal Walmart. It's basically about this small time operator who like breaks into vaults and then this like George Prosky guy comes along and says, hey, how'd you like to join like a criminal union? And he's like, I don't know. I don't feel like I want to invest in property. And he's like, okay. Um, like the, the central, it's, it's basically gross point blank, but serious is what Thief right. is. Thief is gross point blank the hitman's union but played entirely seriously where there's a plot point after he does this incredible robbery for like four hundred thousand dollars he gets a cut of seventy thousand because it turns out that his uh, criminal manager invested it all in property anyway uh, because that's the future um but like i love that man's movies are about this idea of well we're all moving in that direction anyway it's all going to be monopolies capitalism is going to consume everything everything's going to be interconnected and globalized 
but you cannot watch man movies in that system. But maybe maybe like, he is the Moses. Everything will be digital, <laughs> but I won't be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some of that is like the, the Keep, very famously, is a movie that he hates. It's not a good movie, but it is a gorgeous movie. Um, it is a vibes movie. It is an atmosphere movie. It's a movie where the villain is a cloud, which I kind of have to admire. Um, have you Google photos from it? It's incredible. It stars like Gabriel Byrne, Jorgen Prock now, uh, Ian McKellen. It's basically a Nazi vampire uh, movie. Yep. And it looks gorgeous. It makes no sense because the studio were like, this needs to be an hour shorter than it is right now before we put it into cinemas. Um, and also because apparently man couldn't decide what he wanted the monster to look like until the last possible minute. But it, it's kind of like you look at it and it's so tactile and it's so gorgeous. It's got this tangerine dream score, like 25% of it is characters running in slow motion with like massive floodlights behind them. So they cast these long shadows and silhouettes. The climax of the movie is Gabriel Byrne standing in like what looks like Hiroshima as a Nazi pointing a gun at a at a vampire, and it's like, yes, maybe this movie has some stuff to recommend it. Um, <laughs> but but like that is inaccessible. Man hates it, and he's never restored it. He's never gone back. He's never wanted to do a director's cut. But you cannot watch that in high definition. It only got released on DVD in 2020, which is in insane yeah like for years the only time i ever saw it was when it aired on television when i was like 12 years old and it kind of like lingered in my brain yeah as this kind of like this phantom did like, i is this a real movie was this yeah. a dream did i combine yeah. a couple things did i fall asleep halfway through and imagine like an expressionistic sequence in which gabriel byrne plays an ss officer who like points a luger at dracula yeah. and it's like no no that is definitely something that happened in this movie um but yeah manhunter is incredible uh last of the mohicans is fantastic heat is great obviously he's just one of the great oh, american movies yeah. um and i rewatched la takedown which is the tv movie version of heat and it is I no in that is L.A. Like, take, like so cut? it's no, 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 no. So like in 1989, he wrote the script for what will become heat and he wanted to turn it into a TV show coming off the back of like Miami Vice. And it was like it was going to be a weekly procedural show that would call, follow Vincent Hanna, the character played by Al Pacino in the movie. And it's incredible. Like literal lines of dialogue and shots are taken from that TV movie and put into heat. Like you, you look at like the timing of the action sequences, the same editing rhythms. It's incredible. It is the same movie, except this one does not star Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Um, and it turns out a large part of what makes Heat a good movie is starring Al Pacino and Robert Who's De Niro. The actors ever. Uh, okay. yeah. Who, 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 yeah, who. Well, I mean, there was you heard there was a bit where he was supposed to like snort cocaine off a knife from his lower back, apparently. Oh. And man was like, that's a little bit too much. That feels like it's just a little bit too much. Yeah. But you're you're watching L.A. take that and they have this guy called Scott Plank. And it's incredible because apparently NBC were like, we love the show, but you need to recast. We will give you a season order for the show if you recast the lead. And man is like, no, I stand by my leading actor, Scott Plank. Um, and you Scott watch Plank exactly like he, man. he he is like a wooden dummy that like can read cue cards in front of him i'm sure he's a lovely guy i am absolutely certain he's a lovely guy right now i was like oh, oh. But, Thanks, but, 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 but i gave a super chat earlier no i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry it's but i do i love the idea of like but you see those like even early scenes where like where they're walking the crime scene and Al Pacino's doing like, I want you to run slick as an alias in every fed CIA database. You're going to get the phone book, but do it anyway. Um, I don't know why he sounds like he's like 
Ben Stiller's father or whatever it is. But like Scott Plank does the same thing. And it's just like, I want you to run the alias slick. You're going to get the phone book, but I want you to do it anyway. And you're like, that is a movie. That's what makes a movie star. That's what makes Heat a five star movie is the difference between Scott Plank and Al Pacino. It is incredible as a thought experiment. Can you take the same script, the same director, the same shots and somehow transform something from a two-star experience to a five-star experience just by dropping Al Pacino and a mountain of cocaine into it? The answer is yes. I mean, that yeah. Scarface, like, there's, your for- there's <laughs> yeah, a formula yeah. here. Hey, if Scott Plank was in Scarface, no one would have had those posters up in their dorm room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this whole town is a pussy just waiting to get fucked. Um, Explained insomnia. That wasn't snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nolan would have never had a career if he would have went with his original choice, Scott. Yes, Scott Blank. I'm so tired. Um. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe that would have been a better choice. Yeah. I believe him when he says he's tired. Uh, um, but you said you were going to talk about new stuff you've been watching. <laughs> oh, sorry. I love- I thought that was like, we, I should talk about new stuff. And you're like, but you've been watching these old classic directors. I was like, where's, okay. where's, where's Winnie the Pooh? You're doing, you're doing a couple rewatches. I want to hear about them. Oh, okay, okay. So let, let's very quickly, uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which I wrote about last week in uh, the Out of Focus just come out Because that came out, I watched that like six months ago. What's going yeah, on? Did it just come yeah. out in Ireland? No, no, it, it, I just eventually got round to it. It was like a sense of obligation. I mean, they did leak photos from the sequel, which is going to start Tigger. I saw Tigger, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to feel locked out. Like, I'm going to have continuity lock. I'm getting FOMO is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it turns out the fear of missing out is much better than whatever the hell it is I felt after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever it is I feel now inside. It's, it's, it's just boring like it's it's not even like interesting bad it's the laziest possible take on the ip you just drop the characters in and then you try and build like again it's it's that idea i wrote about it last week but the idea of like capitalism as this self-perpetuating cycle where we're liberating these concepts like the the classic version of mickey mouse like winnie the pooh from copyright where now they're in the public domain you can do anything you want with them and the thing that this uh is a frakes whitfield uh kind of like seizes on it, or Freaks Waterfield, sorry, Freaks Waterfield, Seizes On, or Water, is, is like, what if, and hear me out here, we do the MCU, but cheaper. Like, he's literally said, we're doing Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. We're doing Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. I'm not going to direct Bambi the Reckoning, but I'm going to produce it, and then we're going to bring them all together for a gigantic crossover event. And it's like, wow. That is the one big idea you had. That IP is Gregor now Woods free is, from is your Avengers. Yeah, it's like now you're you're you know these these icons are now free from intellectual property. You can do anything you want with them, and your idea is: what if I rip off what like Disney was doing with its other intellectual properties at like zero dollars and make millions of dollars of profit? And it's yeah, like that on one what, guy yeah. again. That one guy is like, yeah. oh, the cave with the scraps. I love this bit. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> but you know Winnie the Pooh doesn't talk in that because they can't come up with a voice that wouldn't be copyright infringing. Oh, dear, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh bother. Um, oh bother. Um, but yes, so that was the bad one. And then I watched a bunch of weird vacation movies because that's apparently what's happening right now. So I watched case. the The Equalizer 3, uh, in which Denzel Washington goes on holiday to Italy. It's a very strange movie. It opens with an action sequence. It closes with an action sequence. But for most of the movie, it's like the trip if it starred Jason Voorhees. 
uh, where he's like this unstoppable killing machine, but who also likes to have coffee in these small Sicily restaurants, mm-hmm. who like critiques Dakota Fanning for like reading the wrong tourist guidebook, who's like bemused by like the soccer fans cheering through the hall, who like goes to the marketplace and bargains for cuts of beef. It's incredible. It's like such an old person movie where it's like you just like hanging out with Danzel, don't you? Yeah. What if you could hang out with Danzel in Italy? And it's like, by the way, the opening 10 minutes and the closing 10 minutes will need to be an equalizer movie. Like there are there are no stakes. Like no. I know I know there are no stakes in any of these Jerry Action movies. Like nobody watching Taken is <laughs> like <"Well>, action <laughs> movies. <laughs> But like nobody in the is like watching Taken is like, well, Liam Neeson's in serious peril yeah. from anonymous goon number 27. But at least in the first two equalizers, there is a sense of, well, these guys could mess up Robert McCall's life. Whereas in this movie, it's literally like he shows up in Sicily. It takes him about an hour and 20 minutes to realize the mafia are causing problems for people. And then he just goes and like kills the mafia. Like it's great. comical. It is almost comical how that works. Does he tell anyone uh, to get their motherfucking hands off him? He, he does not. Oh. He does. Not. There is a moment where he tortures a guy uh, in a little restaurant, and he says, "That's a that's a that's a two. It goes all the way up to ten. And like you could tell that it's like Danzel's not getting out of his chair anymore. Like yeah. it's like he he can do stunts, but he has to be sitting in a nice restaurant. Like he won't even get up from the table." He will just hold somebody's arm. Like Ving Rhames in uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, yes. Didn't Ethan. we already do Bone Collector? He <laughs> Ethan, I'm not going to be in this last set piece. Yeah. Not a train and not a train. Yeah. <laughs> um, need you to know that's a two, Ethan. Goes all the way up to ten. <laughs> but uh, what's interesting, though, is that that provides a nice segue into my big fat Greek wedding three which is very much like The Equalizer 3, not just because it's a third movie. It's another movie about a... It's another third entry in a franchise in which the lead characters travel from America to Europe and go on a lovely vacation together. And I regret to inform you that I have, in fact, been wed-pilled. Um, the, <laughs> my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is not... Like, it's not a good movie. I want to be clear on that. Just up front, it doesn't have any of the basic ingredients of a movie. It doesn't have a story. It doesn't have a structure. It doesn't have character arcs. It doesn't have tension. It doesn't have conflicts. It doesn't have stakes. One in every three scenes of this movie ends with characters enthusiastically hugging one another. There's never a moment where there's any sense of peril, emotional, physical, or whatsoever. Like, there's a sense in which nobody is going to go home from this movie unsatisfied. I don't drink, but while I was watching this movie... I could feel a glass of white wine materializing in my hand in real time. It was just incredible. It was like it was physically there, like muscle memory. Like the comedy is so broad, I'm surprised that you can project it in widescreen. I will say, though, with all of that in mind, I had a fairly decent time with it. Once I got on the movie's wavelength and accepted that it was not going to conform to what I expected of a movie, um, I found it actually surprisingly gentle. It It is... It feels like that wave of, again, like The Equalizer 3, but also like, say, Downton Abbey, A New Era, like Magic Mike's Last Dance, arguably like A Haunting in Venice, which we'll get to in a second. It's this idea of like post-pandemic travelogues where it's like, look, we know the audience for this is old. We know the audience for this is still understandably terrified about the pandemic. We know that they're probably not going to be getting on planes anytime soon, and they might feel comfortable coming back to cinemas or renting this movie. So how about we pair you up with a bunch of actors who you like, and we just take you on a travelogue. We show you some beaches. We show you some architecture. You can see some people haggling with local storefronts. 
it's like you're going to Greece. Um, and I found myself strangely disarmed by it because it is surprisingly gentle and honest. Like the, the central premise of the movie is the characters are recovering from the death of their father. And the whole thing is they're making a trip home for the first time without their father. There's also like their mother is suffering from Alzheimer's um, and is suffering from like a degenerative condition. And at several points in the movie, there are references to like other relatives who have died. And part of me is like, okay, I, I understand watching this movie, why it is gentle. I understand why this movie has no stakes. I understand why this movie doesn't want me to feel for even a second that the hot young couple at its core aren't going to end up together or that the cool reunion party that all these characters are organizing might not pan out perfectly or that like this love struck couple from two different families might be torn apart by any sense of shame or disagreement. Um, I kind of like, it does really feel like it's a look, everybody's had a really crap three years. So how about you come to the cinema, you have a big glass of wine, and you hang out with these people from that movie that was popular in 2002. You know, it spawned a sequel that nobody remembers. It was a sitcom nobody remembers. It's produced by Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. Come on, come on. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm not going to be that harsh. I'm not going to be that heartless. So, you know, I have been wed-pilled, unfortunately. It's like Mamma Mia all over again. Your your column tomorrow is about the 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 bond between the Equalizer Three and my big friend Creek Wedding Three, which um is great. It's great. Yeah, but it was a proposal that you turned down. Like when I pitched, like I pitched that amongst the ideas last week, and you were like, "I think we'll go another direction." I was like, "No, you won't." Wednesdays are my that's that's my my frost one for me that's my Oppenheimer or my Dunkirk um one for me uh and then also then finally uh the haunting in Venice right which is the new uh obviously Kenneth Branagh Perot uh movie and I did not care for the previous two Kenneth Branagh Perot movies they're like weirdly blockbustery Agatha Christie movies like they're, I love that. right into my Are veins you, have you seen have you did you like them have you i love the first two absolutely okay no, not to say that because everyone's going this and that and that's like you're right but yeah. i loved it <laughs> I, 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 I liked the first one i thought death in the nile was was dreadful See, i thought the second one was better than the first one no death on the nile yeah. That first oh, one no. is a, almost a wee bit too pretentious where he's like All right, i must i must step back into the shit to balance myself out Hold on, you think the first, the murder on the Orient Express, which has a chase through a train bridge, is too pretentious? In in the establishing of the character, I suppose, where he's just, okay. he comes off as far too... With the eggs. Yeah, he comes yeah. off as far too naive and maybe still a little rigid. It's in the second one, he, feel, he I, feels way more laid back. I, I will say that, like, Death of the Nile had far too many dry humps for me, and I'm not just talking about sand dunes. But um I know. Um, if you've seen that movie, that is indelibly in your mind. Yeah. Army Hammer and Gal Gadot just going at it in a PG-13 yeah. rating in a yeah. way that will just like will never be out of your head. Yeah. That image will never be out of your head, and it's. But uh, a haunting in Venice. <laughs> to circle back to the movie I actually watched, I'm not a big fan of the first two. Really liked the haunting in Venice. Actually, now to be fair, it's like a three star ceiling. It's not a masterpiece. I don't think it's amazing, but it works for me because. I don't know that Branagh works as a blockbuster director, and I don't think that Poirot works as a blockbuster character. 
like the CGI surroundings of those two movies, the fact that people are firing guns and chasing each other through these sets in the middle of a Perot murder mystery, uh, you know, isn't quite my speed. It doesn't work for me. That that never, uh, whatever about you, Seb, what, like for me, it just didn't work. I'm, I'm no judgment here. But I think what I liked about A Haunting in Venice is that it is much more, it plays much more to Branagh's sensibility, where Branagh kind of tricked the world into thinking that he was a prestige director. I think he tricked himself into thinking he's a prestige well, director. Shakespeare. It's, yeah, it's because he does Shakespeare. And it, then he does like Belfast, which is like, look, I'm kind of like, if you think about it, I'm like Steven Spielberg and Alfonso Cuaron and all these other directors who get to make their own life story. Haven't you ever looked to the stars and asked, what is Kenneth Branagh's origin story? And doesn't it deserve a Best Picture Oscar? That's what Belfast is. Um, whereas I think he is undeniably like a, a master of schlock. Like the famous story I think we've told about like Thor, where there were so many Dutch angles that Marvel tried to fix it in post, right? So like Can we he just directed the whole thing this way. Yeah, just just tilted slightly. Yeah. Um, and then you have like so here where you've got a cast, they're in a standing set. It all takes place in a locked down building. Um, it all takes place in a pal in a basically in a tower in Venice. They spend it, the characters spend a night there. There is a murder. There may be several murders over the course of the evening, but they're all in a confined space. So there's not really much gunfighting or chasing or anything like that. Instead, Brana just goes full Brana. He's not just more Brana. He's Which possibly Brana? the most, the most Brana. Oh, oh. pulpy, pulpy Brana. Uh... Like, oh no, like director Brana. Oh, so director, we're like, okay. so we're like Dutch angles. Like wide angle lenses in close up to give you this distorted fisheye effect. Flashbacks in black and white. I've got a whole orchestra, but the violins are going to be working overtime. Whenever I shoot a character in close up, it's going to be from a low angle. There's going to be silhouettes. There's going to be shadow plays. There's going to be children scampering in the background. There's going to be echoes that you can hear on the soundtrack. We're going to close up on sweat. Eyes are going to open wide. We're going to do jump scares, but they're going to be jump scares that your granny can watch. It's going to be great. It's such like it is very much Brana channeling like his large ham persona into directing. The camera is going to dolly zoom around my character in this extremely confined space. And it just goes for it unapologetically. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I do think it's having fun in a way that the previous two weren't. I do think it works tonally in a way that the previous two didn't. And I honestly think that there's something quite interesting happening there with Brana and dealing with the idea of the pandemic, where this is a movie about a murder that takes place in a literal plague house, in which, like, care workers are targeted, in which a lead character has lost his faith in God and the work that he does because of a horrific trauma that, in this case, is the Second World War, um, and try has to try and find his groove back. And I know we talked about how, like, Oppenheimer is about, like, Nolan dealing with his own, like, processing his guilt for making The Dark Knight, and how, like, you know, Barbie is about Greta Gerwig working through, well, am I an ingenue or am I an ideas person? And, like, it really does feel like watching A Haunting in Venice. It's like Kenneth Branagh looking at himself in the mirror asking can I make a Perot movie after everything that has happened in the world? And him answering, no, I must. I doesn't matter if I can't, I must. The world needs it. The world it. needs a Kenneth Branagh Perot movie. And I'm kind of like, fair, Look, good, good for you. I, 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 I like this energy. Go for it. I'm excited. Um, 
So I, I had a good time with it. Again, it's not perfect. It, it's full of all the Branna-isms. If you don't like Branna doing funny accents, this isn't going to convince you. Oh. If you think that Branna ever needed to temper himself or kind of you know tone it down several notches, this is definitely not going to be for you. But if you like character actors locked in a confined space and a director with like the energy of like a 27-year-old Martin Scorsese on cocaine, go for it. I think I, I had a lot of fun with it. I want all of that. One grabbing exactly. the camera and saying, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> Touch everything that's sweet. Veins. Uh, yeah, for a relatively quiet month for movies, um, that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to most <laughs> the last few weeks and the next few upcoming weeks. So, you know, what, September doesn't have to have to be all bangers. We're gonna get, we're gonna be getting into October, and then we're gonna be getting all these, you know, the, some of the greatest directors of all time delivering their next movies. And in the meantime, we can have. Uh, Mamma Mia three and uh, and and Kenneth Branagh three, <laughs> and, and like Denzel Washington three. Yeah, this is like this is the best like haunted mansion movie Disney have ever made, and it's a solid three stars. Um, on the European scale, to be clear, like on the yeah. not on the not on the Ebert scale. Yeah, this isn't yeah. like this is no speed two cruise control, to be clear. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's be let's be sure. <laughs> let's manage expectations. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's be honest. Nothing's nothing's a speed two cruise control. Uh, Frost, before we get over to, to the stuff you've been watching, Mobile, $5 dono, just a big old thumbs up. Thank you so much, Mobile. And then Paul with a $2 dono, going back to One Piece, says, give me Jamie Lee Curtis as Dr. Curea, and I'll love it. Mm. So apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis is a huge One Piece fan. Oh. And oh, wow. at the Oscars, she said on the red carpet that she wants to be in season two as a character named Dr. Curea, and I don't know who that is. That's, but, uh, that's, that's Jamie that, Lee Curtis. That's the doctor that takes in Chopper. There you go. Oh my God, J- Jamie Lee Curtis can hang out with that reindeer He's man. Like Doctor Mom. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Cool. Get Jamie Lee Curtis in there. I always like seeing like who's fans of things I don't. I wouldn't expect to be like you know what I wouldn't have put that. I wouldn't have pegged uh, 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 John Carpenter as a fan of trying to get on the horse and <laughs> Red Dead Redemption yeah, Two. And Jamie Nolan Lee Curtis as a fan Drifton. of One Piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, Frost, what what have you been watching? I uh, see. I watched uh, The Guard off recommendation uh, of Eve, uh, so the Irish mm-hmm. film with. Gleason and Cheadle is uh, yeah. it is, is definitely different from. I was like, <laughs> this is the answer to Rush Hour we've been needing. <laughs> oh, the Irish Rush Hour. <laughs> Cheadle's <Irish Rush> <laughs> in both. Yeah, why not? Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I, I love. Sometimes I just like a, a good bit of bitter humor. It's like that's that's what it is, and it's something that you don't normally get in uh, American productions too much. And so, just having like seeing though that exemplary. Almost like it's just straight. It's cut and dry. Uh, juxtapose that with the American disposition of just like there's more to it than that, and it's like no, no, why? Why would there be? You know, I I do I do recommend it if you have that sort of humor where you just want a positive outlook, but it just comes from maybe not the best person, right? Because it this is. This was from Martin McDonough's brother, right? John uh, Michael me... McDonough. Yes, I love that. Yeah. This is the one where you're like, that is the most Irish name that has ever existed. John Michael McDonough. <laughs> that's, that's where he gets you. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Oh my God, like Brendan Gleeson on that is amazing. If you guys don't know who that is, that's Mad Eye Moody. So imagine Mad Eye Moody is a is a cop who <laughs> loves drugs and whores. So. And prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like. It's like, <laughs> like it, is, it is just it is wacky, but even even with saying all that, as they are trying to solve a murder and all this going on, it is incredibly grounded. It is it is very wacky, but it plays it straight through and through, whole way through. And it's like, all right, I believe in this. Yeah. So it was, it was 
It was, a, it was quite fun. Great, great supporting good. cast. Mark Strong oh, and yeah. Cunningham, yeah. who played yeah. uh, Sir Davos on, on Game of Thrones. Fiona Flanagan from it's Lost. All, yep. yeah. no, we'll it's all Game of Thrones. Lost. Yep. And what else had to And Data's mother on Star Trek, yeah. Um, okay, the big two. <laughs> the big two. <laughs> And then, Lost uh, in season seven of Star Trek: The Next exactly. Generation. Yeah, Terry O'Quinn was in there as well. But sorry, <laughs> Sam. And as uh, they went through everything, everywhere, all at once, because in a, a year out, I get the last say. Good movie. Uh, you <laughs> had a theory tying this all together with Inside, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? So going into it, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. You guys know me. I detach myself from the hype, and I go in, and once everyone's forgotten or it's quieted down, it's like, all right, what's this about? So in comes through, and it is the most nihilistic piece of light that you could find. Where it's like, yeah, this is nihilism. The whole point, nothing matters. Nothing matters. But you can't get away from the fact that you're human, and you will be delighted in something. And yeah, it may go to shit, but you still can't help the fact that you will be delighted in something. And that means more than anything else. That's amazing. So then I also watched Inside, which if you guys don't know, it's Willem Dafoe. Essentially, it's the sequel to Finding Nemo, where he gets to play the hot fish trapped <laughs> trapped in a penthouse. He's an art thief, and he's trying to break out of a penthouse he got trapped inside of. Now it gets a little hot in there. The, the, the weird things are going on with the thermostat. And he's, he's starving a little bit. He's dehydrating here and there. He's also probably poisoned himself on accident. And it starts off super slow, super, like, kind of survival crafty in a way. It's like, all right, how are you, like, We've seen people survive in, in the Arctic. We've seen them survive in the desert. How are you going to survive in this penthouse that's kind of empty? Right? And so he goes about that, doing his own thing. All's fine. Tries out different things. But he gets bored, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> he gets very bored. And in this boredom is when he starts creating religion. He starts getting a little... It's like everything is coming from this nothing. Right? And then it goes back to survival. Survival mode, survival mode, survival mode. But it's in those lull periods in between figuring out what he's going to do where he gets bored that you just start seeing. It's more like, here's the human condition. What if, you know, humans trapped in a room where the temperature's going kind of funky? Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> metaphorical for Does something? Does that remind you of Does something? Does that remind yeah. you of something? But then it also goes, well, fuck that. I don't care. I'm trying to get out of here. So it, it goes in as like it's super deep and metaphorical. And then other times it's like, no, he was just bored and poisoned himself. You know, no, he was just high, you know, and um, it it is the opposite side of the, of, uh, the nihilistic coin where it's like there is nothing, but because something came from it, that's what's important. But I agree. I forgot where it was that I read it because after the fact I went, it's one of those movies that makes you feel things that you might not want to feel because it is dreary and as much of an endurance test as anything else. Yeah, but it's you're not an upper. Yeah. It is not an upper. It's not an upper, <laughs> but you're going through it with Willem Dafoe. And I don't know if there's anyone else you'd want to go through that. I'd with. want to go through it with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> tough to like So he's not. It's it's mostly a wonder. It's, it's mo not a wonder yeah. as in a single shot, but it's just mostly him. It's mostly One a, yeah, it's a solo him. act. Yeah. And, and there's very few people, I think, who could have pulled that off as well as he did. Absolutely. And it, especially because it starts off so like so slow, has the stakes there. And then it just gets surreal. You're like, what yeah. happened here? Is this the yeah, I mean, film I missed this out. was written during the pandemic, I'm assuming, right? Like, I can only imagine it was I'm, written by a guy yeah. in those exact same circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is one of those pandemic movies, very much so. It's like, you know, we locked ourselves in and then slowly we went mad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Day, created day our one, own religion. Our yeah, day one was normal, begins yeah. the journal entry. Um, nope. <laughs> maybe I'll try to make sourdough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a... 
how that goes. But Jason Tudor asked who's the director. What else did he do? I don't. Th- I, I, nothing. I've, his name's uh, Vasilis. Uh, I, is this his first film? Yeah, I, it feels like, like one. A, yeah, directorial debut, oh, feature director. Feels like a debut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And has a low IMDb rating. I liked it. I liked it much more than a five point five on IMDb. Di- for me, I'm like, oh, you did something different and unique. That like, yeah. that that deserves a watch in my book. It's like if you were that- trying to make me feel the way he felt, good on you. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, could I love the idea that you watching it, but yeah, as a one you, a, you you asked like uh, Katsuf is what he was playing. I was like, I want it to be a fun hijinks. I wanted it to be just like laugh out loud, riotous comedy. That's yeah. what I was aiming for. He was aiming I want the audience for, to leave with a big smile. He was aiming for what uh, my big fat Greek wedding three was all about. Yeah. yeah. Um. Perfect. Look at us. Look at us. We're gonna get in right under the wire before before uh, <laughs> Google before we get booted out. out. <laughs> Insert another before, quarter, please. Before Google yells at us, uh, we have four minutes left. Uh, as we uh, wrap up, uh, Darren, where can folks find you? What should folks check out? Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Darren underscore Mooney at the site formerly known as Twitter. Come yell at me about movie opinions. Um, also on the site. So tomorrow I do have my threequalizer and my big fat threek wedding, I guess, is what we call that. Uh, piece running about like the post-pandemic vacation movies and their role in the culture and how there are like subgenres of them, which is fascinating. Where, like, it's not just that there are the old ones. There's also, like, the action franchises that take you on global tours are back, like Mission Impossible and Bond. You also have, like, this thing about immigrants returning home, like, in, say, past lives, for example. Um, my, you know, Joyride, all that sort of stuff. And how, like, it's this wonderful thing that's kind of, like, tangled through modern pop culture. On Friday, I think I'm going to write about A Haunting in Venice, uh, which is going to be great. I'm going to be writing about Kenneth Branagh's post-pandemic, the world needs a Kenneth Branagh movie. Yeah. Um in, in as many words. I maybe won't phrase it that dramatically in the article, but that will be the subtext simmering through Perfect. it. Um, and then, yeah, so obviously coming up then, I'm covering Lower Decks on Thursday. Uh, I'll be covering uh, The Continental and Gen V as well when they come out the boys spin-off as well. So mm-hmm. that'll be cool. you got a Batman piece going up this weekend, right? For Batman? I do for Batman Day, that our holiday, our shared holiday. Um, <laughs> like, so yeah, so covering, like looking at the fact that this year, Warner Brothers released a movie starring three different Batman, one of whom was Michael Keaton. And for Batman Day, they are re-releasing the three movies starring the one Batman who wasn't who was in that, that movie. Who, who was like, yeah, <laughs> who had nothing to do with that movie. Nope. Um, in a way that kind of maybe concedes that that movie was a miscalculation. But exactly. looking at the idea of like why those movies endure, why Nolan's Batman movies have become like the iconic Batman movies, perhaps the iconic superhero movies yeah. in a in a world where we're constantly mining IP. Sorry, I've talked for far too long. I'd sorry, so. go, go. Well, and we literally only have two minutes left. Frost. Yeah, so go, go. Yeah, sorry. Uh, real quick. All two dollars. Has there ever been a movie that made you want to walk out and demand a refund? Nothing so grotesque. No. I've no. never demanded a refund. Uh, I could sit through anything, yeah. honestly. I'm a man. Yeah, I haven't. The only movie I ever walked out of was Peer Pressure during one of the Underworld movies. It was somebody's birthday and they wanted to leave halfway through. And oh, I was like, that's birthday, rude. That's rude. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. I was like, I, I was like, I can't catch up with you guys. I was like, yeah, it's like, I can't I'll meet you guys at the pizza place. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the only movie I ever walked out of. Um, I see what happens to the lycanthropes. Bill Nye, he's never bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie is bad, but Bill Nye's never bad. Well, this is. Uh, this is Counting down, though. Uh, as far as Cold Take, go, go watch the old one. And then new stuff of Legends and the Early Access stuff. I'll be back in an hour with Nick for the Dark Souls 2 run. Boom. Perfect. Marty. That's it. No, I don't have anything. Don't do anything. Just be good to each other. Right, we'll oh, my you. God. We made it. We didn't we have to do it. Oh, we did it. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Guys. Next time. Bye.